the Sermons Podcast for Ottawa Baptist Church. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this week's message. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your blessings. I thank you that you, God, who created this world, want to meet with us this morning and want to speak into our lives and want to have a relationship with us. So bless our time and thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be looking at the parable of the of the sower today from Mark, no, Luke chapter 8, um, from verses 1 to 5. And it starts off this, it says in verse 1, it says in Luke chapter 8, Now it came to pass afterwards that he, Jesus, went through every city and village, preaching and bringing glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him, and certain women as well. And I was thinking, often when I read that verse, I thought, what did God, what did Jesus speak about to the people? We know that John the Baptist spoke about repentance and, and sort of turn and burn type message. What did Jesus speak? We know we the Beatitudes and we know love your neighbor, um, uh, look after the widows and orphans. But here it's very clear. It says he went around preaching. In the Old King James it says the gospel, which translated says preaching and bringing glad tidings of the kingdom of God. That was the message of Christ. It wasn't just about looking after the orphans and the widows. Those things are important. The main thrust of his message was the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. From the Old Testament, that word was um, the joyful tidings of God's kindness, in particular of the Messianic blessings. And in the New Testament, the glad tidings of the coming kingdom of God and the salvation to be obtained in it through, G- through Christ. And what relates to the salvation? What message am I portraying to the world? What message, if someone asks me, if you say, what is your message that God's laid on your heart? Is it the message of good tidings about the kingdom of God? The fact that God wants relationship with us. That is the right message for the right time. At that time, the Romans were, had occupied Israel, and, and people were looking for, for, for freedom from bondage, and Jesus came and said to them, I've come. I'm your redeemer. We have a kingdom which is not part of Caesar's kingdom which is my kingdom, and I want you to be part of that kingdom. And he brought hope to them. For us today, um, it's the world's in a mess. We know that. Politics is, is, is crazy. Uh, there's lots of insecurities on, on financial and, and, and geopolitical fronts. But the word message today is, is glad tidings. Why glad? Because God has a purpose and a, and, a, and, a, and a plan for you and me. And not only does he have a purpose and plan, he wants relationship with you and me. And there's hope in that. So... We come to the parable of the sower, and it says there in um, verse 4, And a great multitude had gathered, and they came to him from every city, and he spoke to them a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rocks, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered and became, because it lacked moisture. And some fell on thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked it, but others fell on good ground, sprang up and yielded a crop of a hundredfold. And other, other gospels, or some say 30, 60, and a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has a ear, let him hear. A great multitude came to hear him. And if we look at it today's, in today's context, even though in a sense there's, um, there's a falling away from, from the God of the Bible, um, in essence, when, we get, when people bring a message of, of God, we often have huge groups of people coming together to hear. And um, there's a certain amount of um, 
there's a spiritual awakening as well amongst people, even though they might not be turning to God. There's this idea of spirituality, and people are wanting to hear these spiritual truths. They're wanting some sort of other message, and they gather together to hear. And this is what it was like back then. They came from all, all different areas to hear. And Jesus says to them at the end of them, at the end of this parable, he speaks this parable, he says, he has an ear, let him hear. And this is an interesting verse because we know if you've studied the, the churches in, in Revelations, all seven churches, that the words to them end, he who has an ear, let him hear. Now, in this case, Jesus was talking to people who, who might not have had good relationship with God, there might have been a total mix. In the, in the Revelations, we're talking to the churches, and he's saying, he who has an ear, let him hear. So my, 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 my prayer or my desire as well, for all of myself included, because I speak to myself, is may we, ha we all have ears, may we be hearing what God says to us. And, and it actually says there, when I looked at that verse again, it doesn't just say he said it, he says he cried. Or in the Amplified it says um, he called out. So he emphasized, I'm speaking to you, please hear what I'm saying. And we have a decision this morning, do we hear what God is saying to us? Do we actually hear? And what does it say? The Amplified expresses things. It says, um, let him be listening. Let him consider and understand by hearing. So that, that, that real depth of an, an intention. The interesting thing, Jesus goes and he says in the parable, he says, um, he says to them, disciples, the disciples came to him and said, what does this mean in verse 9? And he said to them, to you has been given to know the, the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest has been given in parables that according to Isaiah, Seeing, they may not see, and hearing, they may not understand. So even though the disciples, it was in a parable so only the disciples would understand, it appears the disciples didn't understand because they asked Jesus. But the difference was is the disciples went to Jesus and said, please explain this to me. There's no record of anyone else going to Jesus and saying, please explain this to us. And as God speaks into your life and as God speaks into my life, if there are things we're battling, let's go to him and say, Lord, I don't understand. Lord, I want to understand. You're saying something to me. I need to understand. I, I, I need your input in my life. So they called out to him in that sense and said, Lord, explain this to me. So we go, let's go through. And we start there in verse 11. It says this. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. And if you've listened to me a few times, you'll know that that's very, I see that as really important. The word of God is utmost importance. If there's anything you're going to draw on in this world today, let it be God's word. Everything else is secondary. Even if it's a book by a great theological teacher, it's secondary to the pure word of God. It's important that we are bathed in the word of God. Uh, it creates the foundation for our worldview. It helps us not be rattled when politicians throw curved balls at us, when, when markets throw curved balls at us, when all sorts of things go wrong if we ground it on the Word of God. Um, we also know that it speaks elsewhere in the Bible that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. So it's the, the, the sword that can defend, the sword that can expose, that can cut. And just read this, this thought I had when I was preparing, so I'm just going to read it so I get it right. So what I believe. I believe the strength of our, of our relationship with God and our fullness with him is directly proportional to the quality of our time that we spend in the word. I really believe that. People, we talk about people going into maybe academic institutions and falling away from the Lord. We talk about believers going through hard times and falling away from the Lord. I believe that only happens, it only happens not because people can't debate, script, debate ap apologetics. I think the reason these things happen is because people aren't foundationed on the word of God. That rock on Christ 
They're not foundation. They don't know the mind of the Lord. They don't understand how the Lord sees things, his, his promises and his hopes. And we need to be reminded of them. We need to be reminded of them. It doesn't help having read it a long time ago. We need to daily be reminded of what God is speaking into our lives. So we go into there, the word of God. And he says, those by the wayside are the ones who hear, and the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Basically, in the wayside, nothing takes root. I battled a bit with that verse because that's sort of almost implying that Satan can take, rob us of our salvation. It's a parable, so a parable isn't an actual map, one-to-one mapping of a thing. It's a general idea. But what I'm seeing there is, yes, the devil can take the word because the people aren't holding on to the word. The word just comes off and it just brushes off them, a bit like confetti thrown onto a person, falls off and onto the floor. And that's how the word of God and comes and Satan then makes sure that even though the word of God nearby he pulls it away so that it can't later on because you know the word of God is, is powerful can no longer have any input on their lives it made me think of of Mars Hill in Acts uh, chapter 17 and I'm going to just quickly read two verses if you want to read the whole co- understand what it's all about you have to go read it in your ta- own time but in verse 21 but at Mars Hill this is what it says for all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time on nothing else but either to tell or to hear new things. And then in 32, and when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, they mocked while others said, we will hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from them. And that's almost the spirit I see of these people on the wayside, just there to hear, to be intellectually sort of tickled, um, see what's happening. And one day when it's right, tomorrow, maybe I'll discuss it. But what happens in Mars Hill? Paul leaves. And it's the same way. Lord speaks out his word. He tells us. But Revelation says God stands at the door and knocks. He doesn't barge in. He doesn't force his way into our lives. If any man comes into him and hears his voice and opens the door, he'll come into him. So when the word comes and spoken from, from the pulpit or when I'm reading it in my quiet time or when a, someone shares it in my life or reading a book, if I don't receive that word, what happens is my heart is actually hard to the word and it just gets trodden underfoot and is of no impact. We then go into verse 13, and it says, But the ones, on the, the ones on the rock are the ones who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. What a great start. They receive the word with joy. They're excited about the message. And these, and these have not root, who believe for a while, and in the day of temptation, fall away. It's almost like, similar to the previous one, it's almost like this, this, mental, uh, uh, this, this, this mental ascent but no commitment. They hear it. They love the message. This is great news. They're joyful. But joy doesn't last when the trials come. There's no depth. They haven't let the word really be grounded. In 2 Peter 1 verse 10, 2 Peter, 2 Peter 1 verse 10, so make sure I read it correctly. And it says the following, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For in doing this, in doing these things, you will never stumble. So when the word of God comes into my life, I need to make sure, like the disciples, Lord, what does this mean? Am I applying it? Is it grounded? Is that water, is, is, is it being watered? Is this the message that the Lord has given me growing so that it can take root? Because then when the temptation comes, I won't fall. I won't falter. I won't be derailed. If we look at... Um, the next one, amongst the thorns, chapter 14. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, 
go out, choked with cares, riches, pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. And as I think about this, the thought I had is this is, I think, where a lot of us find us, ourselves at some time in our life, Christian walk. And I think this is where a lot of the, a lot of the, the, the Christian, aligned Christian folk find themselves. I think a lot of us get down to this level. We, we, we hear it, we receive, we be joyful, we let it take depth so we don't, we're not one of the top two. But then the cares, the, um, the riches, and the pleasures of life get in the way. What are cares? Cares are trials. Trials, struggles. And, and, and I don't want to minimize the troubles and stri- the trials that people are going through. They're real. We're not, we're not, we're not, not going to have trials because we're believers. But the point is we're going to navigate them with a good outcome in the Lord. And in this case, these people don't navigate them with a good outcome. The trials come, and instead of receiving the word, which is going to ground them in the Lord and grow them up into the nature and in the fullness of Christ, they put it to one side and they focus on the, on the trial. Interest rates going up. Um, concerns for the future. Maybe family problems. All real. But instead of taking them to the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm in this state. I need your help. They try and fix them themselves. They discard the word which is there to minister to that. Success. The West. A few of us often chat about this. What's the difference between the West, the church in the West, in the first world and the, and the, and the third world? The big difference is the church in the West often doesn't need, doesn't need the Lord, they feel, because we're looking for success. We, 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 measure, we measure our worth by how successful we are in, in achieving our, our work goals, our financial goals, our personal goals, our church goals, whatever goals they are, that becomes our focus. And the whole idea of pleasure, how much of our life is spent wanting better Wanting to enjoy more out of life, feeling we're entitled to a whole lot of things because of just because of life, because that's it. I sometimes think we confuse that fairness of God with these. God is fair, God is just, therefore we shouldn't have too many trials, therefore we should have success. It sounds like the prosperity teaching to me. So um, health, wealth and and happiness. And 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 there are those things in the Lord, but only with the Lord first. The Lord first, those things may or may not follow. We have wealthy people in the Bible like Job, like Abraham, and we have not so happy endings to people like Isaiah. Um, God is sovereign. He knows these things, but all those individuals serve God in spite of their wealth or their lack thereof, in spite of their pleasure or lack thereof. Paul puts it so wonderfully, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Um, In all things, I'm content because my fullness is in Christ. Horrible paraphrase, but... You can go read it there. That's what he basically says. Then the other one, which is a challenge to myself, and I think a challenge to a lot of us who have served the Lord for a long time, they bring no, it doesn't say that they bring no fruit. It says they bear no fruit to maturity. To maturity. I can go quote a whole lot of spiritual badges that I believe I've, I've attained in my life. You know, when I was at school, we used to all have uniforms with blazers, and I never got one of these fancy blazers, but the people that did really well had these fancy blazers. If you're really good, you got a, our blazers were these horrible brown, but if you're really strong academically in sport, you got a white one with a gold braiding around it. But you used to actually have all the, all the achievements. And I can go put what I consider my spiritual achievements of things I've done in the past with youth work or this or that, or, or where I've had a good attitude or where I've been the lesser. But that's long ago. That's gone. That's no longer there. What's fruit in my life? Is it coming to maturity? It also doesn't help if I start and think of a, of a, of a fruit tree. 
It buds, so there's, 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 there's flowers. Then the apple starts forming. If the apple falls off before it's ripe, it's, it's no point. And so what, there's almost an inference here that these people have fruit, or they're beginning to fruit, but there's no fruit coming to maturity. In my life, what fruit is coming to maturity? Two questions. What fruit is coming to maturity? Is the fruit coming to maturity? And is there fruit coming to maturity today? Or am I living in the past glories and the past blessings of my Lord? So that's all very depressing and challenging, but it's not meant to be depressing. It's meant to be challenging. Let's look, go to the, to the last one, which is what I know why we, reason we're here. This is where we want to be. We've got the right heart. And it says here in, um, it says here in verse uh, 60, 15, but the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience on the Amplified. But as, as that seed is of the good soil, those people who are hearing the word hold it in fast and just, noble, virtuous, and worthy heart, and steadily, steadily bring forth fruit with patience. Noble and good heart, no agenda. We're not here today because we want to hear the, or we'd love to hear about blessings of the Lord, but if for some reason thing, our life doesn't feel that blessed at the moment, we'd still be here. Because our intention is just to be here to hear from the Lord. We want your will to be done, Lord, in our life. Um, my heart is, is open before God. Lord, there's stuff in my life. If you want to take it out, take it out. Establish what you want to establish. I'm prepared to hear you unconditionally with no ifs and buts. The other thing is they said they keep the word. In other words, they apply what they hear. The Bible speaks in other places. It's no point being a person who just listens and doesn't do. Be a doer of the word, not a hearer only, deceiving yourselves. Um, so they keep the word. They apply what they hear. And then they bear, and it's con present continuous. They bear fruit. Now, fruit is different things. I don't want you to, we don't measure ourselves against each other. Mark and I were chatting earlier about our walk with the Lord is very personal. While we have to be together in fellowship, because that's what the Lord asks us to do, individually, one before one, our, our walks are personal. So I don't measure myself against Mark or, or, and, or anyone else. We measure ourselves against the call that God puts on our, on our lives. And we need to see what is the fruit the Lord wants me to bear. Maybe for you it's going to be just treating someone at work who really annoys you with the love of Christ. Maybe it's going to be when um, Ethel asked me a, a, sent me a curveball years ago when he said to me, do you want to go and um, street evangelize? How do you say no to that? You go to hell if you say no to that. So I said, I'm sure I came. <laughs> my, my flesh said no. My body said, my, my, heart, my spirit said yes. But God put that call for a period in our lives and we went and did that. Um, uh, it might be uh, just giving the box of chocolates. That was a lovely testimony to the man mowing the verge. Whatever it is, you know what God is saying, saying to you. Um, and you only know because your heart is good. You're receiving the word of God with a, with a noble and a good heart. And then acting on it. But it says with patience. We live in such an instant society. Not knocking the instant coffee and tea, Mark. Um, but we live in such an instant society. If you want something, you can own it now before you've paid for it. If you um, have a need to express yourself, you can go onto internet and you think millions of people are listening, and maybe there are, but maybe there's none. But the point is you can express, you can do whatever you want. There's this, this sense of entitlement we grow up in the West. It's your right. It's your right. As an aside, I remember hearing a whole message 15 or 20 years ago, we have no rights in Christ. 
We are a servant to our Lord, and our desire is to Him. But we live in the West, and our worldview is your right to have what you want, when you want, how you want it, as you want it. But no, with patience. So things don't come. That fruit doesn't just bear. Some people, we look at them and think, even that touch turns to gold. But you don't know the amount of time that they've spent on their knees. You don't know the struggles and trials they're having with family or friends or, or work or, or anguishes that, they will, that they're going through. There's a lot of people. David was depressive a lot of the time. It comes through in the Psalms. We know other people that, that are great to the Bible battle with all sorts of, of issues. Paul had an, an ailment in the flesh that he asked, affirmity in the flesh, he asked three times for the Lord to take away. And the Lord said three times, basically no. So we don't know, but with patience, they, it's perseverance, pressing on to the end. So what do we need to do to make sure the seed lands on our hearts, that we receive the, the, the seed that God show, spreads through the word of God and receive his word because this is the, word, the seed is the word. We need a prepared heart. We need a prepared heart. Now, God does the work in my heart. God does the work in my life. So I don't save myself, but I need to be available for the Lord to speak into my life. I need to have the ears open so that the word of God can divide my thoughts and intents, that it can cut aside the, the, between the bone and the marrow. And there are three people here, and um, just uh, I mentioned Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, I sort of saying I read in one of the commentaries and also reading the scriptures there, is that Jehoshaphat is considered a goodly king, but his reign ended rather badly. So if you go and read, do a check, because you're obviously all good Bereans, and you're going to go check everything I'm saying to make sure what I'm saying is true. When you go do this, you say, why did you choose Jehoshaphat? He's not exactly exemplary. Well, he's still seen as a good king. And it's actually great having kings like that in the Bible, because none of us are exemplary. We all have issues, and God uses us in whatever state we're in. But we just need that heart after God. And so I won't go through each of these scriptures in detail. I'll just put them there for reference. But King Jehoshaphat... In 2 Chronicles, it says he prepared his heart to seek God. Now, we won't go into how did a whole series on seeking God, but the whole thing, intention, intentional. And, and I will say this especially to the, to, to the younger people is you don't wake up one day and suddenly are a pastor. You don't wake up one day and suddenly are in ministry or doing God's will. You need to, from a young age, prepare your heart to seek God. And to older people as well, your life isn't going to just come right spiritually overnight. You need to prepare your heart. What does it mean to prepare your heart? It means cutting out the stuff which you know is taking your eyes off the Lord. Checking out, where's my time spent? Am I spending time with my Lord? Um, what, are there things corrupting my thought? Are the people I'm associating with, am I spending enough time with believers, and not just any believers, believers who love the Lord and are passionate about Him? Then we got King Jotham. He prepared his ways before the Lord, his God. It's not just seeking God, it's your God. Do you know that it's your God? Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Yahweh, he's your God? It's as intimate, it's personal, it's one-on-one. -on -one. And then we've got, the, we've got the judge Ezra. Prepared his heart to seek the law of God. So in other words, it's, you can seek God, but you've got to seek in the right places. And there's, only, there's really only one place we can properly seek the Lord, and that's in his word. Yes, fellowship, but fellowship is built on the word. Everything comes back to the word of God. The world was created by the word of God. God, we were forgiven by the word of God. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
The victory was wrought in Christ by the word of God. It is finished. It's the word of God that we need to be built on. So he prepared his heart, and he prepared his heart to seek. If I seek, the Lord, the, if I seek God's word with my own agenda, I'm going to come out with my own answers. Because you can preach anything from the scripture. That is why we've got so much bad doctrine in the world. But if you prepare your heart first, go to the scripture, the Lord will open himself to you. Just a little verse here, just the whole concepts. In a different, the, the verse applies to something else, but just the principle. Sow yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up the fallow ground. So in other words, check your, where you stand with the Lord. We are all here. I'm doubt, I don't think there's many wayside people here, but in my life, maybe there's some of us who are battling with the thorns. Maybe some of us are battling with the thorns or what were the op- other options of the rocks. Some are battling with the thorns. Go and break it up. Break it up and allow the Lord's word to penetrate deep. Good soil needs to be prepared. Is your heart prepared to read the, receive the word of our God? Are you bringing fruit to maturity? Now these aren't meant to leave you depressed or beat up, don't beat up yourself. But go to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be grow up in you. I want to be bringing forth fruit. That fruit, don't put, a, don't, put, don't put a picture to that fruit. That fruit is not, we're not checking up, chalking up checkpoints. We don't have to do this. I don't have to convert three people a day, pray three times a day, um, four times a week go to a church. That's not what the fruit is. Just say, Lord, whatever you want that fruit to be, may it be coming forth in my life. And keep a short account with the Lord. The wonderful thing is that the Lord wants us to bring forth fruit. The Lord doesn't just want the elders of the church or Mark or other leadership. He doesn't want the spiritual, what you might consider as the certain spiritual hierarchy to be bringing forth fruit. He wants you. He needs you. All you need is that noble and good heart. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thanks for checking out our sermons podcast today. For more information on Ottawa Baptist Church, please visit our website at www.autoabaptist.com.